Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions for the first time in 50 years. Bucks in six, a prophecy foretold by Brandon Jennings more than almost a decade ago at this point, is finally back. Fuck all of you. Fuck every single one of you listening. Everyone said that Giannis can't do anything without another superstar. They said he can't score in the playoffs. They said that our team wasn't built for the playoffs. They said Budenholzer couldn't make adjustments. They were a little bit right about that one, but he did enough in the finals. This may have been the most no bucks given introduction to the no bucks given podcast. It finally happened. And if you're wondering, oh, Agu, we know your name. We know how you pronounce it. But most importantly, it's been almost a week since since the the, the, the final, since game six, since they won. Where's the podcast been? Where you been at? I have been drunk, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I have not been as sober as I am in this moment since, I don't know, the Heat series. It has been a long, long time. Every Think about it, seriously. Every other day is a, is a game for the Bucks in the playoffs. And once you hit the finals, it's every two days when they're traveling. But it's every other day. And I was going to either every game in Milwaukee or going to a bar for every single game. You can't watch Bucks games sober. Ask any Bucks fan that's been watching for more than three years. You can't be sober during a Bucks game. You'll ruin yourself. And I ruined myself regardless with being drunk. Oh, we did it. We're champions. And we're recording a podcast tonight with the co-host of No Bucks Given, a man whose work ethic is matched by no one, quite quite possibly the Giannis of the, the blog boy journalism <laughs> dream out here with Nick Andre. Man, Nick, it's been a couple of weeks since we talked, first and foremost. Welcome back to the show, brother. Thank you, man. And I, I must say humbly, I might have to give that Giannis comparison to the great Nakai's Duncan, man. I, I, I don't enough. think I'm up there yet. I'm not a, I'm not a finals MVP yet. I'm more of like, I don't know. I'm more of like, more of like the Brook Lopez, you know? Yeah, saying? no, I feel Able you. I feel you. I mean, Nakai's is, I mean, as far as where you and I are right now, Nakai's has made it, you know? Oh, yeah. He, he's oh, out, yeah. the, you know, he's out. He's, he's in the league now. We're still trying to get to the league. I was comparing exactly. you to guys in our league right now. Nakias is honestly, he's not even like, I mean, he's the goat at this point that I, he, there's not a single person in NBA coverage that I read everything they write and listen to a two hour podcast once or twice. I mean, every pod of the dunker spot is two hours long and I love it because he actually covers the X's and O's. He covers par- players objectively and there is little to no narrative talk. In terms of like, you know, the bullshit narratives that ESPN are pushing. Big shout out to Nikias Duncan, probably the fifth straight episode that one of us has shouted out Nikias, even though he will never acknowledge me. Never. You never know, man. <laughs> no, of course not. And he's, we I'm not, you gotta reach out to him though. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we can try and do like a joint effort of getting him on the pod at some time because and I'm not, I, that was more of a joke. Uh, Nikias by no means has ever come off as a, conceited or a mean person he's probably as, as long as we're throwing uh, compliments at the guy one of the more genuine guys in the industry too super fucking nice and everyone likes him the only guy that i would compare to nakaius is probably zach Lowe, just because he's always been a bucks fan and i've always not a bucks fan but he's always rooted for us even though we've done bad so i i appreciate zach even though i don't read his articles because they're behind the paywall on espn plus and the rant that i've gone on multiple times is that i will not pay five dollars a month for articles i don't give a shit 
Um, Which is why I don't pay for the athletic no more. I only did it a few times when it was like a dollar a month and then I yeah. just canceled. Yeah, I have a split student membership with a friend of mine. I think it was $30 a year. Um, I can probably slide you that 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 uh, that login info at some point, uh, Nick, if you want to, because I do read a lot of The Athletic. I like it a lot. Anyways, sorry about that. We just kind of tangented for a while. Let me tell you guys what's going to happen in this episode before we get rolling, and I'll let, give you a special preview of what's coming up next. So first thing we're going to do, me and Dre are going to break down the trade that broke only an hour or two ago by Woj between the Pelicans and the Memphis Grizzlies, two teams on the cusp of the Western Conference playoffs and two teams that drafted number one and number two two seasons ago. After that, we will be giving both of our reactions on the Bucks sun series that ended in six last Tuesday and a bit of an off-season preview for both teams because neither of them figured to make big moves, but they both have decisions to make. After that, I've got a bunch of tweets that I texted myself because that's how I save notes because I am not an organized person. A bunch of rumors, trade rumors, free agency rumors that I've seen that we will utilize to run out the clock if we have not hit an hour already. And if you were wondering where more emotional Bucks emotions from a guy who has a podcast named No Bucks Given, who's been watching for over a decade after his team won more than 50 years in the making, Fret not. I have a lot more content on the way. I have been in contact with a good friend of the pod, Spencer Michaelis, who has been on here before. Probably the, in terms of people my age, has been watching the Bucks as long as I have. We're going to both just have a really cathartic uh, episode where we just talk about uh, the weight that has lifted off our shoulders. And that will be an emotional episode. If that's what you're looking for, keep an eye out for that. Dre, you are, of course, always welcome to hop in just to, you know, experience it with us and i already told you about this i have a very special guest coming on an author of an article that basically serves as a prophecy for Giannis's rise and the savior of the milwaukee bucks franchise and i was able to get in contact with the author he seems very happy to come on the podcast nick and i will be interviewing him basically on that article itself and hopefully trying to get him to recite a few lines from it so I can save the audio and use it in a video that I have planned. Um, those two episodes I have planned, not scheduled. And Dre and I are doing separate live events for the NBA draft this year. Check them both out. At the end of the episode, Dre, I'll have you plug it so you can, so people can come to your stream. My stream will be where it usually is on Twitter, unless the new software that I'm using, but I haven't found what software I'm using yet. But when I do find the one, I will update the information, but it should be on my Twitter. The ES3N boys who have been on the podcast a few times will be hopping in. And I am trying to get NBA Twitter members of the top five teams or so and OKC, so the top six teams, to come in for a few minutes of that live show to talk about the picks that are coming up. I haven't gotten anyone just yet for that, but I have had two people that said they would love to give me their thoughts a day or two after the draft. So keep an eye out for that because that's Orlando and OKC, which would be super fun, especially because they're the two teams with the most picks in the first round, I believe, and figure to make big moves and are both in very interesting rebuilds. So the two people that may be coming on would be very cool to show that perspective. And Dre, I will give you all the information on that because I'd love for you to tag along for that as well. And I do not mean tag along in a condescending way because I view you as an equal, if not a superior to me. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, you're All too right. nice, man. You're too nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I ain't shit, man. That was fine. 
none of us shit. What was that YouTuber? Who was that? Who was I and shit? I can't remember. I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. He was hanging out with that other dude who did the uh oh, dang, this is like middle school YouTube. My god. Yeah, it's like this is like early 2010s. Yeah, who was homie with the uh it was like some skit where he was pretending to be someone's girlfriend. <sighs> I can't remember. If I remember during the I episode, we'll do it. Let's get to the trade, guys. An hour ago it broke that. The Pelicans are doing a trade with the Memphis Grizzlies. I didn't, did I not send it? It doesn't matter. I can remember it off the top of my head because I am the smartest man in the basketball you universe. Sent it to me. Yeah. New Orleans is trading Steven Adams, fresh off of an extension. Eric Bledsoe, fresh off of a trade from the Milwaukee Bucks. A 2022 top 10 protected Lakers pick, the number 10 pick in the draft, and the number 40 pick in the draft to the Memphis Grizzlies in return for Jonas Valanciunas, not arguably, absolutely their second best player last year and sometimes their best player on a given night, and the number 17th pick in the draft. Dre, did I miss anything there? I think you got it all, to be honest. And let me just say, just looking at it, I, I really don't know like what to really expect out of this. Um, obviously, Memphis has that number 10 pick. Right. But the only thing that I don't understand is like, you know, a swap with Valentinus and Steven Adams. Like, I feel like, yeah. even, I mean, even, I mean, no disrespect to Steven Adams whatsoever, you know what I'm saying? Like he brings a lot to the table as far as defense right. and you know, rim protection and everything. But to have a floor spacer like Valentinus who can knock down three-point shots and also create his own around the rim, I just feel like Valentinus is possibly a better option. But then again, like I said, Memphis now has a number 10 pick. So who also, I mean, you never know. I mean, they might end up grabbing a key big man in that first round that they could possibly go right. for the future. But you know, honestly, but I mean, besides that, I mean, this trade, I don't, I don't really care. I mean, I don't, I don't really hate this trade. I just feel like Bledsoe might end up getting traded again, possibly sooner in the future. Who knows? But besides that, I mean, it's, it's a pretty decent trade. I'm not really too mad at it, except those, except those few options. Yes, so you are absolutely correct there, Dre. The reporting from Mark Stein, I believe it was, of the New York Times said that Bledsoe is not expected to remain with Memphis. Uh, the Grizzlies cannot waive him now and just uh, like cut him. He has one more year on his deal that is for $18 million. And then next year, he has an, uh, a, a year contract for $19 million, but he can be waived for $3 million which any team will absolutely be doing. There is a small chance that Memphis decides to waive Eric Bledsoe in an attempt to just clear up some, some spot, but that would leave them with some dead cap. I don't think that they would. I mean, I think they would exhaust all their options. There is also a report that they are looking to continue moving up in the draft and using that number 10 pick with other things to move up further into the draft. I am still trying to figure out what to make of this. So let's start with, we started with Memphis, so let's keep going with Memphis, right? Let's break this down. The 17, okay. get, get, uh, uh, absorbing Adams and Bledsoe and trading your second best player for moving up seven picks in the draft and getting a number 40 isn't terrible. The 40th pick in the draft isn't a first rounder, but don't forget that last year in the second round, Memphis drafted both Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman. Tillman fantastic, yep. fantastic rotation players. And I'm very excited. The front office knows how to draft, honestly. Oh, yeah. I mean, you saw, I mean, the year before they had John Morant, and I think they had somebody else. Brandon too, Clark, who's who's Brandon pretty good. Clark. 
They yep, drafted so. uh, Grayson Allen, dirty piece of shit, but he's played pretty well in the NBA for them. Um, mm. they, they've, they brought him in. Jaron Jackson Jr. hasn't panned out, but I think a lot of people agree that if he becomes well, he's also been injured right, too, if he so, becomes I mean, healthy, he he's, he's the modern big. If he can stay mm-hmm. healthy, I think people agree with that. They drafted him the year before, Ja. They did great. I mean, they draft they traded Marcus Saul for Jonas Valanciunas, which yeah, was a win win for comment. both franchise. Oh. Win win for both franchise, but you know, they 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 did their thing. Uh, they've done a really good job, and I'm really excited to see if this because there's a difference between identifying guys that can help you right away in the draft, like Desmond Bain and and Xavier Tillman and drafting someone in the lottery and trying to develop them. And they've done that with John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. But John Morant was the obvious choice after Zion Williamson and Jaron Jackson Jr. They took before they, they, they they took him before technically Trey young. So the, the three and the five were swapped in that draft. But the only reason they were swapped is because Memphis knew they were, or they knew Memphis was taking Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, which is a little bit concerning, I guess. But when you get John Morant, you don't worry about missing out on Trey Young. To be clear, they did not miss out on Luca. Well, also, I mean, they they still had Conley there as well. So I, I don't I don't know if they were still looking to go into future with Conley at that time, or they they were like kind of indecisive well on like whether they should trade him or not. So super fair point. Stephen Adams, honestly, on paper, he makes sense for John Morant. John Morant's a smaller guard. Um, he's a fun pick and roll guy. If you said a high pick and roll, he can just get mm-hmm. to the rim with ease basically. And Steven Adams is one of the best, if not, if nothing else, one of the best screen setters in the league. He's got oh, a yeah. massive frame. He's strong as hell. And he knows how to set a screen. So many guys in this league look like they don't know how to set a screen. Giannis didn't know, you know how to set a screen until this year, you know, but you don't think Jonas could do that at a high level as well. I do. I think that, Steven Adams has more of a I'm just looking at it like you know Jonas provides a lot more spacing than yes um, I fully agree I I've seen some people theorize that they made this move to free up more minutes for JJJ at center and he had some really good minutes at center for them this year if that's the plan to have Steven Adams as an expensive replacement for Jonas Valanciunas, but to only play him two-thirds of the minutes that Valanciunas got because he's not an offensive hub, and to continue allow Jaron Jackson Jr. pray that he stays healthy to play the five, that makes sense. That being said, I I don't love Steven Adams on any roster. Like, if a, if a cap-strapped playoff team acquired him because they have no other moves, he'd be pretty good in Golden State, you know? He's not the guy they want, but... Imagine, you know, Steph, uh, you know, it would probably be the best year of Stephen Adams' career if he played with Golden State. He'd be fine. Oh, yeah. But I don't love him for any team. That's why I didn't understand why New Orleans traded George Hill in a protected pick for him and signed him to an extension before he played a single minute with them. And a year later, they've already traded him. They, they spent the number 10 pick in the draft. That's a top 10 pick just to get rid of his ass. And I know they got Jonas back. We'll get to that in a second. Bledsoe's not expected to stay. I with don't the team. think New Orleans really knows what they're doing because I mean, no, 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 they don't. They don't. You look at all like you look at all the offseason moves that they they've done so far. Fire yeah. Stan Van Gundy after a year, which I me I mean me personally, I feel like it was unfair just because you know it was only one year. Yeah. And oh, you, you know, didn't like the hiring right away, did you? I actually liked it. Well, I thought that he was a better option than Alvin Gentry. Fair and enough. That was, That's fair I, enough. That was why I initially liked it, and I and I felt like you know due to like the way that he utilized the white in Orlando, he could possibly do the same thing with Zion. So that was that was one of the reasons why I did like it. 
But I will admit this year was not great, you know, at all whatsoever. But if it were me, I probably would have given him like another year. Then I would say possibly make a move. But then again, that's and now you move forward to trading Stephen Adams, who I can't remember the I can't remember the exact stats, but I can't say that he played bad per se. No, he always plays fine, probably a double double, if not like thirteen and eight, you know, probably. Exactly. So you have a guy practically a great rim protector right next to Zion, and then you ship him off, and then also the number ten pick. Me personally, I would have never got rid of the number ten pick. But I agree. Not if you're a team like New Orleans. I agree. Mm-hmm. Not if you're not getting a star in back. I agree. Keep going. That's true. I mean, and also not to mention, I mean, like, there's there's guys on that number 10 pick you could possibly grab, like... Memphis knows. Oh, Moses Moody. Moses Moody. Um, I think Giddy's supposed J- to be there. Giddy's supposed to be there. I don't know if Jalen Green will possibly fall that far, but... Jan- um, uh, probably not. Davion Mitchell. A lot of a lot of uh, uh, swingmen and forwards in that range, which New Orleans could use, but Memphis could. And not to mention, really. and not to mention, Lonzo could be gone too this year. So yeah, grabbing grabbing another playmaker to start at that position could be key as well. Adams like, averaged seven and nine last year. Seven and nine. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not, it's, it's not bad for him. No, yeah. Um, one last thing on the Grizzlies before we move on to the Pelicans, you transitioned beautifully, but I do want to mention the 10th pick. We said a couple of guys they're targeting. I think that they're almost guaranteed to take a wing, uh, whether it's Moody or Giddy, or if they can move up like they're planning. I, I imagine they're targeting Kuminga because Kuminga is expected to fall to seven or eight. And if they can, if they see that he's falling, it wouldn't take very much to trade from 10 to seven or eight. I don't believe, um, and if they can get Kuminga, I don't know if he's going to be good. I have seen some footage. You and I both watched some G League games last year, especially you. You, you were watching the Ignite for most of their series and, the, and their uh, bubble playoffs as well. But right. we don't know what he's going to be, but he is the type of player that they should be targeting right now, uh, a wing that can defend and hopefully develop into an offensive player realistically. I mean, not realistically best case scenario. They can get a Mikhail bridges type in this draft because a Mikhail bridges type is basically the only thing they're missing beyond uh, another score. But if for their future positions right now, the thing that they're missing is a wing. They don't have a three or a four because I think JJJ's future is at the five in the future. Um, I think he'll eventually become a five like Giannis will just like Anthony Davis should have, but didn't. I think he will. You don't have a four or a three that I say is going to be with John Morant for five more years. Kyle Anderson's great. He will not be in the team for two more seasons, maybe two, but nothing more than that. Justice Winslow was supposed to be that. It just didn't work in Memphis. Uh, I hope he's a free agent. I hope he finds a place that can utilize him better or that he fits in better because he had some great games in Miami and he's been, he's had issues health wise but I am rooting for the kid because it would be cool to see him do something else. Um, New Orleans. The, I don't dislike the Drew Holiday trade. I can't criticize that. Maybe it's because Drew brought a championship to Milwaukee. But you got five picks for a guy that's not considered a top 20 player. I think he is. Exactly. But he's not considered a top 20 player. And you I got feel like two, that was stupid, honestly. What, to give up that many picks? Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, not anymore. I mean, I get it because, I mean, at the time, Giannis didn't have that extension. So, you know, the Bucks front office, like, yeah. you know, their mentality was, you know, we got to do everything that we can. Right. To keep Giannis happy and keep the team a contender. So I, I understood it from that perspective. But, you know, to trade 
I, I, I guess you could say it's a. I, I don't know. I mean, you end up sending Eric Bledsoe. Who else did they send? George Hill. Oh, George Hill, and then five picks. Three picks, two Drew swaps, Holl- but yeah. Three picks, two swaps for Drew Hall for Drew Holiday. I mean, I mean, I like Holiday, but is he is he that worthy of like that many he, picks? He had the highest plus minus in all the playoffs. All players in the playoffs. I, I I'm not saying it's worth it either. I'm saying that if you make a trade and you win a championship, you won the trade. You won the That's trade. True. Simple as that. But for New Orleans, it's a great move. They got three picks, two pick swaps, a superstar package for not necessarily a superstar by any means. And they mm-hmm. got two startable point guards. Whatever your thoughts on Eric Bledsoe are, fine. It's fine. It's whatever. If you're a Milwaukee Buck fan, you've probably seen him suck ass in the playoffs, and you think he's not a startable point guard in this league. He's a startable point guard. You know, he it plays is. great defense, and he can score in the regular season, enough in the regular season. He's a really good defender. He's not Drew Holiday, but he's a really good defender. So regardless of what you think of Bledsoe, they got two starting point guards to replace their starting point guard and a bunch of picks. It's a great move. It's it's the haul that you could have asked for. I don't think a team in the league would have given them anything better. I know Boston was dangling three picks as well, but they weren't all their own. So that's so the, the thing about the thing about Bledsoe with me is that, like, I mean, you're right. Like, he's not a bad player, but, like, I'm looking at teams like New Orleans. Like, like honestly, like, when they traded him to New Orleans, I was like, does he fit with that team? Like, that's that. Like that's that's my whole right. thing with Bledsoe. I fu- yes, I fully agree. This is going to turn into a criticism of the New Orleans Pelicans front office for, like, an hour, and I, I'm honestly okay yeah. with that. I'm totally fine with that. Uh, we'll talk <laughs> about the Bucks in, in fucking a month. I don't give a shit. I'm, I'll be still hungover. Um, with New Orleans, they make that trade. And it makes sense. But you're right. The pieces don't necessarily fit. And then you hear, obviously you hear the name right away, but let's pretend that you heard first that the New Orleans Pelicans were sending one of the guards that they got in the holiday trade and a protected pick. I don't think it was one of the Bucks ones. For Steven Adams. Your first thought would probably be like, well, I fucking hope they traded Eric Bledsoe in that trade, you know? Uh, because not even that he doesn't fit, but you can't have Steven Adams. And even if Zion wasn't there, fuck it. You got three shooters on the floor. You can't play Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams together. Not even a little bit. And George Hill led the league in three point percentage the season before. So you would think that the point guard who's taller than Eric Bledsoe, not as good as a defender, but known as a good defender and hit the best, the most amount of three point percentage in the league last year and you're trading a pick to trade him to a team that's rebuilding. You could have gotten two picks for him at the trade deadline. But anyways, ignoring that you keep Bledsoe and you bring in Steven Adams who did not make sense for the team in the first place. You've got Zion Williamson. You don't need, you don't need a center, let alone a center that can't shoot and isn't mobile. You should be starting Zion at the five as much as you can. And then having a guy like Gorgie Dang or Kem Birch backing him up, you know, they can play 30 minutes a game if you have to, but they can also play 10 minutes a game if you have to. But instead you get the biggest, slowest, non-shootingest big man in the league because you've got non-shooting big man that can survive. Mitchell Robinson is the perfect example of that. I love Mitchell Robinson. Oh yeah, Big Mitch guy. If he's, if he's healthy and Jared Allen, I think is a way less good version of Mitchell Robinson. People put them together because they're both young and they're center prospects. I think Mitch is way ahead of Jared Allen in terms of rim protection and being able to survive in the small ball era. Sorry, tangent, but he's not that 
he's not mobile. He clogs up the paint literally because he's so big. He might be the widest player in the NBA. And you know who the second widest player in the NBA might be? Fucking Zion. So you can't put them in the paint together because of the paint's completely covered. I don't know how they didn't average the most three seconds in the, in the paint call in the league because they just, they cover the paint. They're just so big. So it already doesn't make sense. You and can't you, have that in today's NBA no, though. you like, can't. And that's Stan Van Gundy. That's why you don't hire Stan Van Gundy. And then, and then, and then you're still not thinking, you're still not thinking you extend Steven Adams the second he touches soil in new Orleans, you're giving him like $16 million a year for three more years to do the thing that you know doesn't fit. Now, that was the same. That was the same right there. Especially, like, I, I want to say that was before he even played his first game. Right, with the team. right. It makes, it makes no sense. And then you keep Eric Bledsoe. And I understand why. I mean, this is what Milwaukee basically traded for Drew Bledsoe or Drew uh, Holiday for an upgrade, a direct upgrade of Bledsoe. If there's a superstar version of Eric Bledsoe, it's Drew Holiday. You know, not that he's a superstar, but he's the best version of what Bledsoe could ever be. So New Orleans thinks, well, we'll just take Diet Coke, uh, Drew Holiday, you know, because we figure that he can fit into our system, too. Well, he's not Drew Holiday. He can't shoot like Drew Holiday. He can't create like Drew Holiday. And he sure as hell cannot lock down an entire team by himself, maybe backcourt. Can't lock down an entire backcourt by himself every single night like Drew Holiday does. And that's with Zion, who at this point, despite averaging 27 points per game, is a prototype of Giannis, but isn't as good as Giannis. So you're going to pair not as good Drew Holiday with not as good Giannis, a thing that you figured already wouldn't work very well. So it doesn't make any sense. And now we are a, a full year later, a full year later, and they're trading both of them, and they're giving up a top 10 pick in the draft to do so. But... That's enough of ragging on it. Let's talk about the guy they brought in. Jonas Valanciunas had an awesome season last year. You know, if it wasn't for Jokic and AD and all the big dudes in the West that get um, all-stars, Jonas Valanciunas probably would have been an all-star. He had an all-star caliber season. And he was their best player in that play-in game when they were, when they were trying to make the oh, – yeah. And he was a big part of them winning a game against Utah. Mm-hmm. Gobert eventually locked him down because Jonas Valanciunas isn't Nikola Jokic and Rudy Gobert is Rudy Gobert. If you're a paint dominant center, he's probably going to lock you down. But all you can say about Rudy Gobert, but that's going to happen. So eventually he locked him down, but he was fantastic. And he shot a lot of threes, not like massive volume. We're not talking Brooke Lopez two years ago, like three threes a game. What a fun year that was. Uh, until Toronto down. Uh, he had more threes than Clay Thompson that year. And that was the last year Clay was healthy. Don't you forget. Um, what was I saying? Oh, not at that volume. God, that was a tangent. Not at that volume, but enough where teams couldn't stay in the paint and they had to bring a defender out. So that would open the paint up for job ja. and maybe it'll open the paint up for Zion. But again, you shouldn't be giving up draft capital. You shouldn't be giving up draft capital unless you're getting another star caliber guy next to Zion. And you got a star caliber guy, but he plays the same area that Zion does. He's primarily a paint player. He is not Brooke Lopez. He might be in year two of Brooke. This might be Laker Lopez, where he was trying to figure out how to shoot threes, but still primarily scoring in the paint. And then the next year, maybe this year, he takes a ton of threes and stops playing the paint. 
I don't see it, but maybe that's the plan. Maybe they're just doing Lakers Lopez with him. Who knows? But he needs to play in the post and he needs to score in the post. What are you going to do? Let him play in the post and put Zion what? In the fucking corner? He's not going to take threes. He's not going to score threes. You can put him in the dunker spot, but his defender is just going to double Jonas the entire time. So he's probably a better fit than Steven Adams, but he's still not the long-term answer for Zion in the front court. The answer for Zion in the front court is someone that looks like Zion or someone that looks like Jaron Jackson Jr., looks like John Collins, skinnier, more versatile guys with a big man off the bench. Which is why he's going to thrive in New Orleans. Yeah. It's, it's so hard. It's so hard. This is what the Bucs did in the playoffs. In the regular season, they start Brooke Lopez and they finish with Brooke Lopez. But in the finals, they finish with Bobby Portis and they put Lopez on the bench. When Giannis comes off, Lopez comes on and he dominates second units. It's the perfect way to play. I love that way. I've been asking for it all year and Bud finally did it. And if this is your plan with New Orleans, that would make sense. But you don't have a Bobby Portis. In fact, you don't have a wing beyond Brandon Ingram worth a damn. You were employing Solomon Hill until you sent him to Atlanta, for Christ's sake. You know? So I don't understand how you're going to play in this NBA. And I don't know if Willie Green asked for this because Willie Green was the Phoenix uh, assistant and they've got DeAndre Ayton, but it's not going to work. Jonas will put up good stats. Zion put up 27 this year, regardless of Steven Adams clogging up the paint. But he's still not going to be at his final potential because they keep it's it, it really is not to keep going with Giannis, but this is Giannis when they signed Greg Monroe. Giannis was still good that year, but Greg Monroe severely limited his ceiling. And Jonas Valanciunas, similarly, a max level star, not all star or superstar, but star like Greg Monroe was when we signed him, didn't fit with the superstars play style. And it will take the jettison of said player until a better player can come in for that spot, a la Brooke Lopez, a la Miles Turner, maybe. And then you'll see Zion could have put up 32 a fucking game last year if Steven Adams wasn't there. It's not that Zion, as Steven was taking up the, the points. He only averaged seven fucking points. But he's in the paint. He's clogging up opportunities. He's in the paint, so his defender doubles Zion because he knows that Adams can't do shit. Hell, Adams can't finish a contested layup let alone a fucking jump shot. So I don't get it. I don't get it. Sorry. That was like five full minutes. Please go ahead with your thoughts. Well, no, I mean, I mean, you're right though. Like when it makes sense, because you know, Zion is going to Zion mostly going to get his, his numbers around the rim. Just because right. I mean, he's super fucking big. He's super fucking strong. Really? No, I, I can't really figure anybody in the NBA that can necessarily contain Zion for 48 minutes. So when no. you, so in this day's modern NBA, where spacing is necessary for NBA teams, for you to have a guy like Steven Adams clogging the lane while you have a guy like, Z- like Zion, who is who is going to get most of his points around that rim area, of course it's going to mess things up. It's going to mess up the chemistry. The chemistry, that's, that's, that's just going to mess everything up on the right. offense. So that's why I think now, even though I personally didn't like Memphis trading, you Valanciunas, but now looking at him alongside Zion and playing alongside guys like Ingram and others, I feel like he's going to definitely thrive just because, I mean, his versatility from scoring on the inside to yeah. stepping outside and everything. So that's so, that, so that's one of the reasons why I feel like Valanciunas is a better fit for New Orleans than um, Steven Adams. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I think he will be better than Adams for sure, and New Orleans will see more success with that. I just hope that they realize that Zion at the five 
or a skinny dude like Chris Boucher next to Zion at the five is the the final answer uh, in terms of the the playoff success riddle because Valanchunas isn't going to be able to play in most of these playoff matchups. But anyways, they're just trying to make the playoffs. So I don't mean to jump ahead to them in the playoffs. They're just trying to make it. And with this move, they might, they might, they they still need a point guard because all indications are they're not fucking re-signing Lonzo Ball. Another gripe that I have with David Griffin, I'd give Lonzo Ball four years, a hundred million right now, if I could, right now, if I could. People, people still don't understand his value, which I don't understand, which I get it. You know what I'm saying? Cause like Lonzo is so talented. I understand because there are many nights where Lonzo doesn't, bring that assertiveness that he needs but when Lonzo is 100% engaged and on his A game he could be one of the most valuable players on your team whether yeah. it comes to yeah. distributing whether it comes to shooting because his jump shot is a lot better than what it was when he was a rookie and not, to mention, and not to mention he's an underrated on-ball defender yeah. standing at 6'6 so that's why I, I'm not understanding what New Orleans is doing but it might it might be good for Lonzo because I, I feel like Lonzo could definitely help a, um, a championship contender in the long run possibly new york yeah. possibly philadelphia if they don't want to go far with ben simmons oh no. that'd be cool yeah um i fully fully agree with what you're saying and it's the same thing with ingram there's always trade rumors about ingram which i don't understand because he's probably the like the best young scorer besides jason tatum in terms of iso scoring you know okay. like Definitely. Devin booker i think is past that too booker yeah yeah, uh, Tatum uh, and Booker are a separate thing. But I think, like, the tier right below that is Ingram. I think Ingram is is really killing it. Um, and I wouldn't trade him for the world, you know. I think it's I, – I really do think it's just because they didn't draft them. You see this in football a lot where uh, a new front office will take over and they'll just immediately get rid of all the guys that the previous team drafted just because they didn't draft them, they didn't scout them, so they don't give a shit, you know, regardless of they're good or not. And I've never really understood it. But that might be happening. They traded Davis for him, but they didn't draft any of these dudes. You know, they didn't scout any of these dudes. Maybe they just they want to build their own team and take credit for it. I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense, but that's really the only explanation I can give for why they're trying to just give away Lonzo and Brandon Ingram every every chance they get. It's, uh, with Lonzo, it's just every team in the league could use Lonzo. You don't even have to start him at point guard. Like, if you want to run – a small lineup with Lonzo at the three, he can play the three. He's six, five. That's small for a three, but he won't be lost there. He guards a lot of threes. Regardless, you can play him anywhere. I really don't. And I don't understand why you're not using asset management. It's simple. You sign him for four years, 25 million or 28 million. If he wants it, fuck it. You don't care because in two years, when the next James Harden is available, like Carl Anthony Towns, one of the few centers I say would fit with Zion, you can trade. Oh, and yeah. A, you can oh trade an extended yes. Lonzo Ball and a, an expensive Brandon Ingram and a bunch of Lakers picks. Because Ingram and Lakers picks isn't going to get you a Carl Anthony Towns. But a Lonzo and an Ingram and a ton of picks and maybe some of your own to get a Damian Lillard, to get a Carl a Anthony Towns, or if uh, – uh, if you can get like a new future superstar that wants out, like if Luca continues to be pissed off with the maps, that's how you get guys like that. That's what the bucks didn't understand. I'm going to keep talking about the bucks. I'm in that mood. That's the thing that they made. That's the decision, the wrong decision they made with Brogdon. I don't think they should have kept Brogdon uh, to play with the bucks. I liked him. I thought he was a good player, but I thought his health, so? I thought his health was unreliable. And I thought his lack of burst really limited our drive game because if he can't move quickly enough to the cup, We've got issues with clogging. I liked Brogdon. I think he's a I think he's a top 15 starting point guard in the league, you know, for sure. 
It was almost an all-star this year. I was, I'm underselling it. Okay. He was really good. I didn't think you should keep him because he was really good. I just thought if you extend him to whatever he wants, which is 22 million, it's not the worst contract in the world. The next time James Harden is available, you can send him and the stuff that you sent for, um, for Drew Holiday. And instead you can get James Harden or you can get Damian Lillard when he becomes available. That's why you extend those guys. That's why Atlanta is in the running for Bradley Beal. They apparently they're, they're attempting to make an offer for Bradley Beal. You know why? Was that Atlanta? Yeah. Atlanta. You know why? It's because they signed a bunch of young veterans on expensive contracts that are very easy to trade. Bogdan Bogdanovich is one of the most tradable players in the league right now. Everyone could use Danilo Gallinari at a, what is right now cheap, $20 million a year. Kevin Even Herter. Clint Capella, who's a great one. Kevin Herter is on his rookie contract, and he's fantastic. You've got DeAndre Hunter. I wouldn't trade DeAndre Hunter, but if you get a superstar, you might want to. you got Cam Reddish, who had an awesome playoffs, and apparently he's available. By the way, if Cam Reddish is available, anyone's favorite team should be calling right now, oh, yeah, especially Memphis. Imagine if Memphis got Cam Reddish. Perfect fit. Love it. Sorry. But that's why they can trade for a Bradley Beal. That's why there, there, are, there are whispers, you know? You don't hear whispers for the Sacramento Kings, even though they've got Darren Fox and they've got Marvin Bagley, but they don't have those cheap, those, those expensive veteran contracts because they traded away Bogdan Bogdanovich because they're trying to trade Buddy Heald for nothing, you know? That's why you need to... Yes, too. it's asset management. And that's why... I'm more upset with New Orleans. Lonzo Ball is a usable player. I think he's so much better than people give him credit for. Top five vision in the game. You know, uh, versatility at the point guard. Plays great. Not elite, but great defense. And is a floor raiser. If you need a floor raiser, he's there. And he's still developing. He shot 40% of his threes this year. 36%. This is why I've been trying to tell people since the beginning. Because if you remember, like, I I can just remember Twitter being on a frenzy that first game that he played with the Lakers when Patrick Beverly shut him down. After that game, everybody was like, he's a bust. He's a bust. He's a bust. I'm like, how can you consider him a bust? He just played his first ever professional game. Right. Stay patient with Lonzo. Same thing I said about Ingram. Stay patient with Ingram. And and then look Look, look at both. Exactly. Like, I, I don't understand why people just want to jump, just want to jump to conclusions saying that these guys are not good. Right. Now, now you look four or five years later. Now Lonzo is one of the, uh, one of the most valuable pieces in the right. NBA. Right. Everybody should be trading. He's for. so young. Exactly. It, it makes no sense. And you don't resign him because he's so good. You resign him because you realize that the fact that he has so many trade offers right now, the bulls made an offer at the deadline. This we know, I believe the Knicks made a de- an offer at the deadline. A lot of teams are looking into Lonzo. Boston has been rumored to be interested in Lonzo Ball. If you've got so many teams interested in them, how much do you think they'll give to you when he's on a four-year contract that they wouldn't mind taking off your hands? You know, that's what you have to look in the future for. It's not about having him now. It's about having him in a season or two seasons and someone available comes up and you can throw the farm at him. But you can't throw the farm at him if you don't have a farm. And they're trying to get rid of the farm right now with Lonzo Ball, with Brandon Ingram. It makes no, no sense to me, especially when you're giving up number 10 picks for a center that just barely by the, I don't know what the, what the, the white people saying is, but you know, by the scruff of his coat, I don't know what the fuck they say, but just barely fits with Zion, just barely fits with Zion. You know, New Orleans is an absolute, cesspool any final thoughts on this trade before we move on to other stuff 
Number 10 pick, man. Um, Number 10 pick. Honestly, I could see Kaminga um, fitting alongside guys like Ja, um, Triple J, you know, all you know, all the rest of those other guys. The yeah. thing about Kaminga, like, I guess I can understand why some people, like, don't understand don't, or like, are not aware of, like, what kind of career he can have because even though he is a great player that shows a lot of athleticism, sometimes he can make some stupid plays and some bad decisions, Yeah, which – which I saw this past year in the G League. Right. But when it, when he is on the game, he can be he can be an offensive threat. Right. He's athletic. He can get the ball, and he's a pretty good rim protector at most times. So I feel like depending on what franchise gets him, which I do believe that Memphis is a pretty decent franchise, especially in the direction that, that they are going, they can I really agree. elevate Kaminga as a player. And don't forget, Kaminga is going to be 19 for his entire rookie season. He mm-hmm. is going to be raw and young. Okay. And Memphis is technically on a timeline to be okay with that. I worry about their spacing if they acquire Kuminga because Ja is not a floor spacer at this moment. He can hit the mid range very well, and his floater game is pretty much unmatched, especially with guys that are the same age as him. But he's not uh, a reliable enough shooter from three to space the well, floor. Think of, well, all right. Well, think about, this, think about the projected starting five. It will be Ja, Dylan, Dylan Brooks, Kyle um, Anderson. Kyle Anderson, Kaminga, and then I guess start Jackson Jr. at the five. Uh, that's probably their closing lineup and starting lineup for ones. I'd probably remove Anderson or probably remove Kaminga. He'll be 19 and add in JJJ and Steven Adams is probably. Oh, yeah, that's right. Steven Adams, sorry. Okay, so basically, Steven Adams is already a decoy, is already a decoy as far as spacing. So you have right. Jao. It's not the not the most consistent three point shooter, but right. can knock it down. Not a negative for sure, but exactly. he's not a solid enough positive. He's not Seth Curry, you know. Exactly. Um, then you got Dylan Brooks who can knock it down at a decent level. Decent, yeah. Kaminga, Kaminga, I, I think I think he can at times, but it's not. It's, it's definitely not consistent. Right. He won't have the spacing for it this season, though. That's the exactly. idea. Then and JJJ, not, not, who's probably the best mm-hmm. shooter in that lineup in terms of catch and shoot threes and he's Definitely. still not awesome and Adams is nothing. And then if you swap out Kuminga for Kyle Anderson, Kyle Anderson can hit the shot, but he's got the mm-hmm. slowest shot in the history of the NBA and he's not like a flamethrower by any means. You better be acquiring a Seth Curry level character if you plan on drafting Kuminga or or just plan on tanking this year, but it won't be good for everyone's development if you can't practice the space. Yeah, time. I don't I don't think Memphis should def- – I, I definitely think Memphis should not tank. I think that's the last thing, especially considering, yeah. like, the, the year that they John had. John would get last pissed. Year. Oh, yeah, without question. I mean, you just beat fucking Steph Curry, you know? Mm-hmm. You just beat Steph Curry. You don't want to be in the lottery now, you know? Um, well, they're, they have the number 10 pick. They might move up. If they do, uh, look out for them to pick up a player like Kuminga or if they make a really surprising move because, honestly – I feel like Memphis is just going to shock us one of these days with like an out of nowhere trade. I'm not saying like they're going to like randomly get Bradley Beal or something, but one of these days, because they have a sneaky amount of ta- of trade chips. Grayson Allen can be traded really easily. Xavier Tillman, super easily. Desmond Bain, super they have easily. a lot of triple um, assets. Yeah, Dylan Brooks. A lot of them. They've got picks that they've gotten from other teams. I think they got one for acquiring, uh, for taking Jay Crowder and solomon hill's contracts back in the day and they've got all their own picks and they've got you know salary cap guys like eric bledsoe and stephen adams that you can throw in there to make the the salaries work they've got a scary amount of trade chips and they're so quiet you never really hear about what they're up to 
that I could just see them pulling a fast one, you know? Maybe it's maybe it's Ben Simmons. Who the fuck do we know? You know, I don't know if that fits, but I wouldn't mind Simmons next to JJJ as your starting front court. That's not terrible. You know, it's fun. And it also gives them an elite perimeter defender. But maybe they'll do something like that. Or maybe they'll just like randomly take Houston's number two or some shit. You know, like they just that hop in. Yo, if they got Mobley, if they gave John Morant Mobley, you, the entire league would be fucked. Whole league would be fucked, man. But how would that pairing of like him and JJJ even work though? Because I mean, like in, in my opinion, Mobley is a franchise guy. Like there, there's no way in hell you can grab Mobley and then expect him to be a role player. I feel like Mobley oh, yeah. is definitely the guy that you need to build for the franchise. So mm-hmm. if that if that were the case, if they were to grab Mobley, I feel like they would have to make a decision between either of those two. Between Mobley what if JJJ uh, is part of the offer? Because you have to that, imagine it would take. Then a that lot. can work. That could then work. That I mean, and you know who would, I'm not, you know, obviously there hasn't been any rumors, but would you say that Mobley and number 10, uh, or sorry, not Mobley, Jaron Jackson Jr., number 10, let's say Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, and Xavier Tillman. It's a lot. Don't get me wrong. Gets you number two and Christian Wood? Because him and Mobley would be fun. I think would be fun. Those two playing together, I don't know, but... If you get Christian Wood, then yeah, it'll be a good trade. But I feel like I feel like if they do get Christian Wood, I, I don't know if they will want to continue to go on and grab Mobley or will they okay. possibly grab somebody else. That's fair. Like, could you could you could you possibly see Suggs out there in Memphis if Probably, they were? Grab- uh, he could play the 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 the, uh, the shooting guard pretty well, I think, and he would bring some much needed size to mm-hmm. that that backcourt. I think though. Like we said earlier, Memphis's number one priority in this draft is a wing. So they're probably targeting Kuminga. Or, or um, even a Jalen Green. Or even a Jalen Green, uh, who's who's right now actually projected to go number two at Houston. Apparently, Houston likes him a lot. A lot. That's what I keep seeing and hearing. Um, or I, I'm not totally sold on the guy, but he's supposed to go in the top five or six, maybe top eight. Uh, maybe they're targeting a Scotty Barnes. Because a lot of people talking about Scotty Barnes. I'm not the biggest fan of Scotty Barnes, but yeah. a lot of people are. If you're placing him on that Memphis team, then that 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 spacing would definitely not be there. Honestly, yeah, no, I mean- it wouldn't. So I, I I really I don't know how many flamethrowers there are on this draft, and they're not going to get one. If anyone can get one, it's probably Houston, uh, offering the number two and all of the Brooklyn picks that they have. That would be worth it. But Detroit's not trading it. They got Cade, and oh, I'm yeah. super excited for Detroit and their roster next year. I think they make the plan. I don't give a shit. I need to have I, I, Nicholas Henkel's already too big, but I'm trying to find a guy on Detroit Pistons Twitter to come on the pod and talk about the roster with me sometime. If I you don't. Know what, I don't think people realize like Detroit got a nice youth. They got a roster. They've got like a oh, legit core. They've got. I mean, they're gonna have Cade. They're gonna have Killian Hayes, who's whatever, but he had a good end of the season. Uh, mm-hmm. Sadiq Bay, who looks legit. Sadiq Bay, Sadiq Bay, I feel like because I mean, a lot of people, I, I, I just remember a lot of people like projecting him, projecting him as like a three and D guy. I feel like yeah. he has a capability, he has the capabilities of being like a legit all around scorer. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think at worst he's going to be a flamethrower from three while providing good defense. Without question, it's going to be like, it's going to be like if James Johnson ever panned out as a shooter, it's going to be legit, dude. I can't wait. Uh, Jay, they've got Jeremy. To, go ahead, go ahead. And then not to mention um, Isaiah Stewart as well. Beef Stew, he's legit. I love Beef Stew, man. 
I love beef stew, man. Jeremy Grant, who's 25, but he's legit. And he, mm-hmm. he seems to be like a – I don't think he's a vocal leader, but I think he's an awesome locker room presence for these new guys because he carries himself with a lot more, um, like, stature than I think a lot of 25-year-olds that are on losing teams do. And he chose to be in Detroit. It was his choice. He was not traded. I love Jeremy there. I, I don't think they'll ever – well, actually, with Cade, that changes things a lot. I don't necessarily see him winning a title with Detroit – but I think he will be a Detroit. Like I think people will remember him as a piston for his career. That's my prediction because of what he accomplishes in Detroit with that team. And then that's not even mentioning um, they've still got Mason Plumley, who's a perfectly decent center. Pretty good. Like I know that there's the meme about the Plumleys because they're just like super generic white dudes, but Mason can pass and he can defend. Yes. That dude does a lot more than, than the other Plumleys. Yes. That dude's a legit NBA player. And he was their starting center this year. He, I, I think beef stew is going to be better than him within a season in terms of overall impact. Oh, yeah. That dude deserved the starting spot this year, at least, you know, uh, they got job, but they're not going to resign jaw. I don't think big jaw. Um, who was there? They had Delon Wright. They acquired from. Delon Wright. Well, I, I always liked Delon. He never panned out as a shooter, but he's still like a mini Bloodso type of player. They had yeah. um, they had some shooter. Who was the shooter they got? Oh no, Sadiq was who they got for for Kennard. I can't believe they got a better player. I can't believe that was a three team trade between Brooklyn, Los Angeles Clippers, and Detroit. And Detroit got the best player. The Detroit got the best player because <laughs> Brooklyn got Landry Shamit, who didn't really. Do it's shooting. funny too because like Clipper fans love that trade, like they love bringing in Kennard, and I was Kennard like, was decent. Oh. Yeah, I mean Kennard is decent, but Kennard also can be injury prone as well. So yeah. I, I didn't I didn't necessarily understood how that would pan out. And then I mean he did he he did have his moments in the playoffs, but it wasn't at a level that I. Oh no, yeah. I agree. I didn't get it either at that time because Luke Kennard hadn't been like, I mean, this was probably his best season in the NBA. You know, this was as good as ever been. And he still wasn't awesome. He was bad in Detroit. And I didn't really understand why that's who they would acquire. And you know, what's funny is someone that costs about $12 million less than Luke Kennard and shoots a whole lot better than Luke Kennard and offends a whole lot better than Luke Kennard is Sadiq Bey, the guy that you guys traded. Um, Yeah. I, I'm not going to say they would have gone farther in the playoffs this year. I'm just saying if you're a Clipper fan, J-Wop, if you're listening, picture Sadiq Bay on, on this year's playoff team instead of Luke Kennard. I just want you to picture that. And if you're listening, I don't know if you are, send me a message about how pissed you are that I made you picture that. Clipper, but, yeah. fans, are just like, Clipper fans are just all over the place. And no disrespect to my guy Jordan, my guy Bo Allen, shout out to Bo Allen, my, um, my co-host on a Brothering podcast. But I swear, like Clipper fans are just so up in the air because at first, at first they fucking hated Stephen Jack or sorry, not not Stephen Jackson, Reggie Jackson. Yeah. And, and I can just remember telling them, I'm like, Reggie Jackson is a good player. Like, no, no, no. Then he shows up in the playoffs this year. He's like, oh man, we right. love, love Reggie Jackson. Last, now last year, I ain't gonna lie, Montrezl Hill did not play well in the playoffs, particularly right. in the day. Right. But it was just, but it was just a crazy like in the regular season how like everybody loved Trez, Clipper Nation loved Trez. Then, then, then after that playoffs collapse happened, where they did blow, blow a three-one lead, now everybody's like, "Get the fuck out of here, Montrez! Get the fuck out of this franchise!" So yeah, it's, it's it's just so funny to see how like Clipper fans are like kind of switch up like as soon as like players start playing good and then players. Yeah, like, yeah, the Clipper fans have been through a lot though. Yeah, uh, I don't blame them for for too much. But the Reggie thing isn't it funny that Reggie Jackson's probably going to get like ten million dollars a year for his next contract. Did anybody have that in their predictions? Like he's going to get like 
a medium sized contract, which is so crazy to think about because he hasn't been good. Like, I know he's been injured a lot, and I know that Detroit wasn't the. He, he hasn't necessarily been that good since like his OKC days. Like the OKC Thunder, Reggie Jackson, he was this good. Like he was this good. Like what Reggie Jackson was doing, putting up thirty point nights and hitting as many threes as anybody else in the playoffs. OKC Reggie Jackson could have done that. And the reason OKC Reggie Jackson did it is because he wasn't the focal point on offense. He was with Kevin Durant, right. Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. Well, actually, he would replace James Harden. He was the, they replaced James Harden with Reggie Jackson as their draft pick. People don't talk about that because he's obviously not as good as James Harden. But they did a really good job in the draft uh, replacing Harden. And then Reggie obviously wanted out because he wanted to start at point guard. Um and got sent to Detroit where he was the offensive focal point. You can argue that Andre Drummond was the franchise player, whatever you think of Andre Drummond, which is not very high for me, but (laughs) he was the offensive focal point and he can't do that. And they failed to put anyone next to him. I mean, they brought in fucking uh, Luke Kennard to try and help him. They brought in no one to help him until this new regime took over and they finally figured it out. But Reggie, now that he's on another team where he doesn't have to rely as the offensive focal point, where he's with Kawhi or at least Paul George when Kawhi was injured, he's still got Marcus Morris out there and Nicholas Batum. He's not the offensive focal point, and that's when he starts cooking. That's when Reggie starts cooking, and we saw it. So I really hope some random team doesn't offer him a bunch of money to be their offensive focal point because that was the issue last time, mm-hmm. um, or even to not be their game. second star. So I hope it's a team that could use a guard like Boston, like the Clippers, like Milwaukee. They can't afford him, but teams that need a point guard that are in playoff contention and have two established stars or Philly. Philly could take Reggie Jackson. He's probably not what they want, but he's probably pretty, pretty good. And he's probably the best offensive guard they could, they could afford to be honest, beyond like a Kyle Lowry. I think his role would be limited in Philly though, especially with the way that Seth Curry was shooting the lights out during yeah, the playoffs yeah. this year. So. Regardless, though, someone that's got stars and his playoff contention, offer it to Reggie if he doesn't resign with the Clippers. How did we get to the Clippers? We were just talking about the Clippers for, for a little bit, but that's... I was going on a little... Oh, Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay got us to that trade, and then we went into that. God, that was a tangent. I guess the point of that, though, is Detroit's about to be good, and don't be surprised when they make the play-in, if not the playoffs next year. All right, because they're going to have a dope-ass team with the rookie of the year and a very, very seasoned coach in Dwayne Casey. Um, let's talk about, like, I don't know, two rumors, and then we'll skip the Bucks suns talk. We already talked about this an hour. Uh, we can save the Bucks suns talk for one of the other episodes that I'm sure if you have time, you'll be joining and you'll be able to put in your thoughts. If not, we will figure it out. But the couple of uh, – let's see. I've got – Oh, and while we're talking Pelicans, they want Kyle Lowry. Why? Why do you want Kyle Lowry? Uh, why do you want to overpay for a guy who's 34 years old? This is what you do with J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick. Lowry, Lowry being in New Orleans does not work, especially no. him being 36 years old. Like, I can understand the Lakers because, I mean, the, the Lakers are still in contention. Or even – Philly. Yeah, Philly, of course. But no, no, New Orleans, like no, New Orleans just needs to stay young. They need to stay yeah. young. They need they need to continue to get guys that they can help build for the future. Lowry is thirty six years right. old and on and on the downside of his career. I don't I don't think that right. I don't think that's true. There is a benefit to adding a seasoned guard who is known to be able to run things to your young team. 
We saw it last season with Chris Paul on the Suns. No one thought the Suns were going to make the finals, but they knew that Chris Paul was going to take them to the playoffs at worst because they had a very nice young team and Chris Paul to pull it together. So, and I believe, I can't remember who it was because I consumed so much basketball content, but it was either the low post or a different podcast that was talking about the off season. And they predicted, so this is not my own prediction, but that they were going to see other teams this year that were like, they got their Chris Paul and they went to the finals. We got to find our Chris Paul. And maybe this is new Orleans way of saying that's our Chris Paul. Kyle Lowry is the guy that's going to take us to the playoffs because he knows to do it, but that's not the move guys. You know why? Because the Suns didn't have an all-star caliber point guard that was hitting restricted free agent the season before they had Ricky Rubio. They got poor man's Lonzo. Ricky Rubio is actually kind of a shorter poor man's Lonzo for keeping it a buck. Um, yeah. they, had, they had Ricky Rubio. If they had Lonzo ball, they would have kept Lonzo ball because they're not fucking That's stupid. So new Orleans, why would you get rid of Lonzo ball? A guy who's what? 24 years old coming off the best year of his, of his career, not even in his prime and is a point guard that actually fits both timeline wise and uh, talent-wise, with your core, to pay a 36-year-old point guard more money. This is mo- they would pay more for Kyle than Lonzo. More money stupid. than Lonzo Ball for three years of second-round exits, if not first-round exits. I don't understand. I don't even see like the Pelicans even making the playoffs with Lowry personally. That's fair. That's totally fair. The West is hard. The West is going to be healthier than they were last year. You know, right. Uh, uh, assumedly Kyle Lowry is an upgrade from Eric Bledsoe and Jonas Valanciunas is an upgrade from Steven Adams. That right. team was about two games out from the play-in game at, 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 at number 11 in the league. Maybe they make a couple more spots with Jonas and Lowry, but the, the West is going to be healthier next year. The West is going to be better next year, frankly, you know, um, the Lakers are almost assuredly to be better, if not just healthier, which means they'll be a lot better. The Clippers right. might be a little bit worse, but they're still going to be a regular season force. Denver should be better. They'll Denver, have guys back. Utah. Utah is dangling guys in trades. They're trying to get better. And if not, they're great. If at worst, they're one of the three best regular season teams in the league. You're not going to beat them in a seedings race. Uh, you've got the Suns that are still good. You're just you just traded with one of your main competitors in the plan with Memphis. And I don't know if you made Memphis better, but they're trying to make the plan maybe harder than you are. Right. You know, Sacramento still has Luke Walton, so they'll finish at 12th, but they want to make the plan and they're going to try and make a trade for it. They're going to trade Marvin Bagley for something. I don't know if it's going to be anything good, but they're going to trade him. They've been talking about trading Buddy Heald for three years now since they signed him to an extension because they're Sacramento and they might actually do it this offseason. But here you are just making marginal move after marginal move. If you're going to stay going sideways, just re-sign Lonzo Ball. Kyle Lowry makes no sense to me whatsoever. Not for them. I think Kyle – that's not to say anything about Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry takes Miami Heat from a first-round sweep to an Eastern Conference finals team, maybe finals team. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, like, you know, we're not saying that Lowry is not good. Like, you know what I'm saying? We understand what Lowry brings to the table. Right. But – he does not fit with that particular no, group. Not at all. Pelicans, especially a team that is rebuilding. That's why you, that's why we could see him on a team at the Lakers. We could see him on a team like Philly. Right. We could see him on a team like Miami or even even New York. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, 
even New York. Uh, I think I think you would want to sign with a team that's closer to a championship than New York, but New York is still right. a better fit than exactly. New Orleans. Uh, any team that could use a point guard, Los Angeles, way better fit. You know, they're they're mm-hmm. a championship team with a, a healthy Kawhi if Kyle Lowry's on that team. You know, mm-hmm. um, but not for New Orleans. You did the same thing when you overpaid JJ Redick to break his playoff like 13 year playoff streak to come to your shit ass team because you <laughs> yeah. offered him the most money he's ever been offered in his fucking life. You did this with JJ Redick, but it wasn't as damaging because you didn't let anyone go. You did this with Stephen Adams. Were you overpaid for a veteran? That doesn't make any sense. You did this with Eric Bledsoe when you kept him over George Hill. You can't keep making the same mistakes. And David Griffin was 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 considered a genius for this haul that he got for Anthony Davis and getting the number one pick in the in the span of a week. It's not because of him they got the first pick. People are just you know just because he was a hired a month before that people associate it with him. But he has been dog shit since then. You know, a couple of the draft picks they've taken. I like Jackson Hayes, but he hasn't done anything. I like Nikhil Alexander Walker, but he's just a myth. Just like Anthony Simons is a myth. Everyone's like, oh, Anthony Simons. Where? Where is he? I see him hit a three every four nights. Everyone's like, he's something. They've got something in Nikhil Alexander Walker. Show me. He plays five minutes a game. Show me his value. Okay. I'll admit, like, whenever, whenever, whenever Alexander Walker does get his opportunities, he can't show up, like, particularly, like, like, there was a stretch in the season where Lonzo was hurt, no, and yeah. uh, we saw we saw Alice and Water put, putting it, yeah, putting up like 20, 25 right. points, thirty points per se. Right. So for the record, value, yeah, but he just doesn't he doesn't necessarily get the um, opportunity that time. Yeah, for the record, I do like Nah Naw Nikhil Alexander Walker. I think he's a good prospect. I think I think he's got good measurables, uh, include and like a natural talent for the game. But Aaron Lachey. Yes. Yeah. But you can't tell me that um, – sorry. You can't tell me that David Griffin's doing a good job when the only good move he did after the Anthony Davis draft or trade was draft a guy who's done five, had five good games and plays five minutes a game in Nikhil Alexander-Walker. If that's your biggest victory since the Anthony Davis trade, you are in some deep fucking shit. And you've already heard rumors of Lonzo wanting to leave. He's going to – I don't know if David Griffin is going to lose his job before Lonzo demands a trade because new Orleans has always been stubborn with their front offices. They don't get rid of them. They get rid of their coaches first. Uh, They always, they never blame the general manager, the president of basketball ops. I don't understand. I don't understand, but I don't know. I think this might be a Neil Olshi where he outlives Damian Lillard somehow, you know? So it just sucks. They're going to make bad decisions. They might trade Brandon Ingram to the heat for Duncan Robinson, I heard that. I heard that from someone. They're saying that 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 apparently New Orleans has opened up Brandon Ingram. Like there's a there's a possible deal on the table to send Brandon Ingram to Miami because of New Orleans' interest in Duncan Robinson. How classic would it be for New Orleans to acquire the perfect player for Lonzo Ball and Duncan Robinson, doing the one right move that I've been begging you to do for a year since you drafted Lon, uh, Zion. And getting rid of your second best player in the process. That's a classic, classic New Orleans. I want to ask them real quick. So, like, what do you, what, how do you, how do you think this new hiring of Willie Green will pan out for New Orleans? Probably not great. Because that's my thing, though, because, you know, he's a new head coach now coming into this organization, especially looking at how they did stand last year. I'm, I'm just hoping, because here's the thing. I don't expect the Pelicans to make the playoffs again this year. Neither. They might. They might not. I don't know, but I'm, proje- I'm projecting them not to. 
But I'm just hoping that after this year, they don't just go ahead and just like send, send away Willie Green. Willie Green is a pro and he deserves this job. He deserved a job, but I don't know if he is the fit for Zion. You, you're not hiring a coach based on what kind of team you want to be. At this stage of his development, you need to hire a Zion coach. The Bucks hired Mike Budenholzer. Whatever you think of him, whatever you think of the hire, whether he deserves to be a championship-level coach or not, they hired him to build a system for Giannis, and he did. And he gave Giannis two MVPs and a DPOY, by the way, because he designed the, the, the defense as well. Giannis deserves all the praise for the hard work, the talent. He does all, all of it and everything. But Budenholzer gave him the system to do it in. And Budenholzer was a Giannis hire, not a Milwaukee Bucks hire. Yeah. And with this, you need to hire a Zion coach. And I don't know who that Zion coach is, but I probably wouldn't hire a guy who's on the bit, uh, who's on the bench of a team that plays paint dominant big men and an old school game, just like Stan Van Gundy. Okay. I would have hired him over the one of the more spaced out teams, like a Steve Kerr guy, you know, or, you know, go to a team like LA Sam Cassell's on the bench. I bet Sam Cassell can build a, a spaced out lineup for Zion, you know, give, give, give him a center. That's not fucking Steven Adams or Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah. He could probably show you how to do that. You know, you can even run the exact, um, the exact system that the bucks run now, or the, they ran two years ago with, Jonas as your uh, Brooke, but then hire Charles Lee or Darvin Ham off the Bucks bench, who were finalists for the Suns job. You know they could have built, they could have genuinely gotten Darvin Ham or Charles Lee to build the exact same system in New Orleans, and you'd have Lonzo Ball playing the Drew Holiday spot. Not as good, doesn't matter. It's fine. You've got Brandon Ingram playing the Chris Middleton spot. He can probably play the Chris Middleton spot better than Chris Middleton. Not that he's better, but in terms of the ISO scoring, he is more gifted in terms of volume scoring. Maybe not tough shots because Chris Middleton's the best tough shot maker that's not a superstar in the league right now. No one can argue there. But in terms of volume scoring, Brandon Ingram can thrive there more than Chris Middleton. Zion in the Giannis slot who can put up the same numbers as, as Giannis right now because he's still got the fresh legs and he's still bumping dudes around. He might even f- build in wrinkles that Giannis can't even do. And then Jonas in the Brook Lopez spot, a former, uh, a former bruiser in the paint turned shooter. You've already seen the process of it. But then why not hire Darvin Ham? Why not hire Charles Lee? It makes no sense to me. You hire Willie Green, a guy who runs a floor general point guard, something that you don't have. Lonzo Ball is close, but he's not that. They run a mar- – uh, <clears throat> sorry, shooting guard. They've got a, a old-fashioned shooting guard who's the primary scorer on the team. They don't have that. They're running out a, th- a prototypical 3 and D wing at the three, something that they have none of. The Pelicans have no 3 and D wings on the roster. A 3 and D guy at the four, which, again, they don't have. They have Zion. And an old school big, which you have. You've got Jonas Valanciunas. Is Jonas Valanciunas your fucking star? No. That system isn't built for him. And I know you don't always hire assistants to build the same system. But when you have a team that resembles a championship team, their roster construction so much, why not hire a guy off their bench? and, And to be fair, they did make the hire before the finals were over. But why not hire a guy when you knew they both made the finals? that was on a team whose roster is almost just an older version 
and to build that exact same system. It makes no, no sense to me. They could be running the exact same system as the Bucks and having playoff success with it. It's disgusting. It is. Okay. I don't, I don't know where New Orleans will be going anytime soon, to be honest. You're, you're, yeah. You're watching the Anthony Davis history repeat itself in real time. Every move they've made since, I feel kind of sick to my stomach because I know Zion is going to force himself why, out of there. I was just about to say that, like, don't expect him, like, or don't be surprised with him at the next, like, two years if Zion somehow finds his way out of New Orleans just because, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, by the time then he'll be in, what, year four at the time? Right. He's going to continue to get better. He's going to continue to have all-stars. He's going to continue to be in, like, these conversations that's one of the top players in the NBA. But at the end of the day, considering that, you know, he's on a shitty team with a shitty front office and in a small and in a small market. So he's not going to get free agents. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't it's, know, man. It's, it's just terrible. It's just terrible. Not even that. Sorry. One more thing on the Bucks thing. But you wouldn't even just be, like, a younger version of the Bucks. You would have the same roster construction as the Bucks. And like three times the draft picks that the Bucks have. So you could find replacements. You could trade for upgrades way easier than the Bucks can right now. When you do make the playoffs and you do eventually fall in the playoffs and you need to make those necessary upgrades that all championship level teams need. But they're just squandering all of that. I don't, I don't understand. I don't, don't understand. And it makes me so upset because they're, Zion will be fine. In two years, he'll force his way out. He'll go to New York and he'll win something because he'll be in the Eastern Conference. You know, I think New York or Atlanta are the only places he's going when he leaves New Orleans. Okay. Big fan of both teams, maybe Chicago, just red teams. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But he'll go to the Eastern Conference very likely and win. Not maybe a title, but a lot. Maybe get an MVP. Maybe get to the Eastern Conference Finals a few times. Maybe even the finals. Maybe he wins a title. Who knows? He will be fine. He's a generational athlete. These guys are fine. Unless they're Damian Lillard, you know, who's been loyal. Whatever. But New Orleans is squandering this for Pelicans fans. You have got the closest thing to Giannis in a draft since Giannis, which is seven years. It's actually probably sooner than we thought we'd see it, you know? Mm-hmm. he's going to be a superstar. He is going to be more popular than Giannis because he's going to be American Giannis. And the NBA loves to promote their American guys more than the foreign guys. I'm not saying that that to be a social justice guy or anything. It's just a fact. We all know it's a fact that the, the media coverages American players with a nicer light than international players, just typically because they feel pride for seeing an American do that. He is going to be a top five player in the league for a majority of his prime, whether it's with your team or not. And you are squandering the chance to have that on your team, to have your Giannis moment, to have your Milwaukee moment and to grow with it. Cause they don't even have a fucking relationship. I feel like Zion probably doesn't even like David Griffin. You never hear about it. They probably don't even talk. They don't don't even talk. David Griffin probably doesn't want to talk to his players. He probably views himself as too good or something. It's so weird. Mm -hmm. We're going to start wrapping this up. Andre. Nick, I, I say your name four different times throughout the show every fucking time. Hey, it, it, don't, it, it don't even matter, man. Just call me one or the other. Yeah. 
Uh, do you have any final thoughts on what ended up being a New Orleans Pelicans podcast uh, before we start wrapping this up? Oh, and let us know where you'll be doing your live show for the draft so people can check that out. All right. Well, first of all, this is a um, this is just a, a message to Dave Griffin. Got to yeah. do better, bro. Hire. I don't. Us. I don't. I don't know if the owners will possibly fire him or anything, which I don't know. But you got to do better, man. I mean, you have a number one pick. You have a superstar potential player in Zion. Continue to build around him. Continue to, you know, grow as a franchise. Possibly, possibly get into the playoffs, and then after that, become a playoff contender. Then yada yada yada. Zion is 21 years old, a lot of years. Yeah. You know that he's injury prone, but at the end of the day, he's still a superstar. Continue to build. Yes. But besides that, I will be live this Thursday night on the Unref Sports Network. Shout out to Unref Sports Shout with out. my girl Amber Vickers. We will be we will be live during the draft from start to finish. So we'll be talking about all 60 picks, breaking them down. Are they a good fit? Are they a bad fit? Who will be trading? Yada, yada, yada. You all already know everything that goes down to the draft. So I messaged a ton of people um, after you told me you were doing your own live show to try and get like some guests for the live show for the draft thing. I fucking messaged Amber. I'm so embarrassed now because she was like, yeah, no, I'm doing my own live. Clearly oh, knowing. Amber <laughs> yeah, I, I think oh, so. I, <laughs> like uh, just clearly knowing, but. Uh, please check that out, especially for a full draft. Not a lot of people doing live shows for the entire draft, like my live draft show, which will only be the lottery picks because I don't want to do the whole draft. I will be having uh, a live show. It'll be on Twitter or Facebook, maybe both, if I can figure out both. Talking about the draft, I'll have the ES3N guys. We'll be starting. We'll be drinking. Um, I'll have some draft experts in the chat. Hopefully I can have them live for the show, but maybe I'll have them pre-record something the day before and I can just insert it into the audio so people can hear that. I'll be messaging people on Twitter for a couple of days just to see if I can get some more experts. But I have been doing a ton of prep, watching a lot of videos and reading a lot of like super long draft guides that actually have been pretty fun. But I'll also have those guests. Check it out, coming up. And two Buck-centric episodes coming in the next few weeks whenever I decide to release them. Dre, we didn't do the mental health check this week. I'm just going to ask you how you were doing, good or bad. I am doing fantastic. It's hot as shit outside. I, I went to the beach last weekend, which is nice. It was super fucking nice. Even though I'm not going to lie, I can't swim for shit, but it was still <laughs> nice to get and enjoy the weather. So that is nice. I'm doing great. As far as I it's good to hear. I had a great weekend in Chicago this past weekend. Not as much post-hangout anxiety that I usually do, which is a good sign for my mental state. And the fucking Bucks one. That's where we'll leave you guys. No Bucks given, signing off. Thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate it. I'm in a good mood today, so relish this pod. Deuces. Deuces.